it's our time. We must rise up and no longer disparage. It's our time, church, to honor our heritage. We have a savior. He gave it all on the cross. We stand beside martyrs who counted nothing as loss. They took God's mysteries, opened them up for us. Stephen, John the Baptist, Bonhoeffer, Jan Hus. Surrounded by a cloud of witnesses above, it's now our turn to model his unending love. Our mission is one we cannot confuse, nor muddy up with some trite excuse. You say you're not well-versed, ready, or able. I think Moses even tried to use that fable. The time we have, it's now more urgent. If we should hear, well done, faithful servant. Yeah, church, it's our time. It's our time to confess the ways we're mangled, the sins and selfishness that have us entangled. Lust, greed, and pride, their path leads to the grave. Yet we return to our sins as if we're a slave. Can we survive in this putrid dead sea? I quote Paul, may it never be. So let's cast aside our individual leprosy and begin to leave a biblical legacy. There's a glorious prize awaiting to be won, and the way to win is to start to run. Let's lace them up and fight the good fight, become to the world both salt and light. Our life on earth is merely a vapor. Our chapter must move from pen to paper. So church, let's get to writing because it's our time. It's our time, church. We have what it takes to help the world from its slumber awake. To Jesus, we are his beautiful bride. Whom shall we fear with him on our side? We have each other. We are not alone. It's iron to iron in the combat zone. There's a promise of life full of adventure. As long as we give both talents and treasure, the workers are few, the harvest is plenty, with so many lives running on empty. Scores of people trying to cope, they've come to the end of their proverbial rope. Young eyes are wandering, looking for direction. Make sure we point them to his resurrection. The clock's ticking, we're on our dime. Hey church, rise up! It's our time. Amen. Now, if a video like that doesn't make you feel something, I think you need to get your feeler checked, right? Uh, we have a job to do. We have a privilege to walk in this purpose that God has given us. You know, even at a young age, people begin to ask one another, what do you want to do when you grow up? It's a question of action, right? And oftentimes, it's a firefighter or a police officer, and, and some people do live up to be exactly what they said, but as we grow older, that question moves from action, and it actually moves to existence. We start to ask, why am I even alive? And then after the question of existence, we ask the question of significance. Does my life even matter? Today, I want to ask a similar question. What on earth am I here for? I mean, in the macro, why am I here in this world, in this universe, on this earth, but also in the micro? Why are you here in this room? Why are you here in your home? and in your family? Why are you here at your workplace? Why are you here on your community and on the street that you live on? Why are you here at Starbucks? Why are you here at Industrial Grind? Why are you here at Smart and Final or Vons? Why are you here at the doctor's office? Why are we here? Maybe there's something that we can fully understand and grasp today as we look at God's word. Because the truth is, this idea of searching and reaching is just human nature. It's something that we all want to see. Why am I here? What is the purpose of living? But we start at the wrong starting place. 
We often start within. We try to find purpose maybe with power. Power is the ability to get your own way. Then we start to find purpose with prestige. That's the ability for people to honor you along the way. Then we try to find purpose with our possessions. That's the things that we claim that we own that we really don't own anyway. See, if we're finding purpose in those areas, it's eventually going to fade. We have to go to the original place we should find our purpose, and that is only in our Creator. This is the whole idea that we can figure out if we walk in this idea of purpose that God has given us, it actually impacts our lives in beautiful ways. I've noticed even in my own life that walking in your God-given purpose provides meaning to your life. I've worked many jobs. People ask me, why have you worked so many jobs? Because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I remember being a lifeguard. I remember being a lab technician at a place called Emulex where they made fiber optic cables, a multi-billion dollar company. And I said, hey, I think I'm going to go leave because I want to go and help out a church. I think my calling is to tell people about Jesus. And they were like, do you understand how much money you can make and stick with this company? This company's never going to go away. You have a long future here. You need to stay here. There's so much money in this. I was like, but my calling and my purpose is to tell people about Jesus in whatever way I can do that, I want to do that. I did it here at Emulex, but I want to go to the next place. So I left, and they were like, you made a bad decision. Well, a few years later, the company shut down. So I made the right decision. Uh, but I was searching for meaning. Did everything. I, I went into business. And I, I was a district manager, and I traveled, and, and I led people, and I was like, this is cool. And I had one foot in the church and helping out there, but doing other things. And, and, but God, there had to be something more for me. I didn't feel like I was coming alive, and so I, made, I had all, all these decisions I had to make. And I said yes to this and yes to that, and I found out that walking in my purpose simplified my life and also focused my life. When people would say, hey, do you want to go and do this? I'd say, oh, that's not what I'm called to do. That's not my purpose. And all of us have different purposes, My prayer is that we would look today and say, what is my purpose? Why am I a barista? Why am I an accountant? Why am I a doctor? Why am I a plumber? Why am I a stay-at-home parent? Why am I a son? Why am I a daughter? Why am I a mother? Why am I a father? Why am I a grandparent? Why am I a great-grandparent? Why am I retired? See, you can retire from your career. You can't retire from your calling. And I believe God has something for us, and he wants us to look at his word and see what he's sharing with us today. And I know for me, after all of the different jobs that I've had, when I've simply been able to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, God, what's the next step that you want me to take? How can I use the giftings that you've given me to lead people to you? I'm telling you, it fulfills parts of my life that I never thought could be fulfilled. In fact, we have someone in the room today who I'm so excited to actually call up, Pastor Sam Well. Would you join us? He is actually a pastor in Tanzania. Uh, Let's give him a hand. Let me stand right here. And you've been pastoring now. Uh, We talked on the patio. You said you received your purpose, your calling at what age? When I was 20 years old. 20 years old. Yes. And you knew exactly what you were meant to do, so... Pastor Samuel, why do you exist, and why are you in Tanzania? I come from Tanzania, East Africa, where Kilimanjaro and Serengeti is. And God, I felt that the purpose of my life is to tell people about Christ and build the Church of Jesus Christ, which I have been doing for 40 years now. Give him a hand. 40 years. Wow. I have seen... People transformed, apart from the poverty that is in Africa. 
But you know, when Jesus comes into the life of a person, you find the really joy. Yes. People are happy in spite of their lack of some of the physical uh, needs, but they are happy. And that makes me feel good and also feel that I have a purpose of living. Wow, that's so powerful. And if we're actually going to be going to Tanzania in 2024. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank yeah. you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. I know welcome. he's excited. You're uh, if you're clapping, I expect to see you on that <laughs> yes. trip. Uh, but oh, yeah. Pastor Samuel, what is the greatest need right now in Tanzania that us as a church in San Diego can be partnering with you? Yeah, Tanzania is a peaceful country. We can preach the gospel everywhere. So number one is planting churches. Yes. I have pl- uh, my local church has planted four last year. And this year, again, we are planning to plant four of them. Oh, come on. God is good. Guess what? Every place we plant that church will need a, a, a building. Yeah. Apart from that, we have a community needs that people need also to be touched by the love of God by showing our extended hand. For example, there are kids that they don't go to school so we help them to go to school. I have a, a local church school that is run by a church. We help them, the, the community, to know Jesus through the school. We have also medical clinic in our local church whereby people come and get some support of medical, which again, show the love of Jesus Christ. There is saying and there is also showing. <laughs> so when we show the love of God, people will come to know Jesus and that makes us feel good. And if and if they call me to any other job with a million's money, I don't know, allow myself to go there because I know <laughs> God has called me to focus. And it, as the pastor says, you feel life simple. Yes. You feel um, the sense of living. Why am I living? Christ has been the Lord in my life, and I have to tell others about that. Wow. Thank you very wow. much. Thank Papa. you so much. God bless you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Pastor Amot, we want to pray for you before you leave. Would you just extend your hand? We are partnering with what God is doing over in Tanzania. So let's pray for Pastor Samuel and the church over there. God, I thank you for the privilege to be able to partner with people here locally and globally as well. God, we ask that you would continue the revival that is happening in Tanzania. We thank you for your son, uh, the gift of your son, that he died on the cross for every single one of us, and especially those of us who are far way off, as the word says. So God, I thank you. I ask that you would use Pastor Samuel and his team to continue to lead more and more people to you, that their lives would be changed. And as he said, they would experience the real joy. So God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Let's give Pastor Samuel another hand. Well, you may be saying, well, okay, you're a pastor and he's a pastor. Well, maybe that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not saying that's what you're supposed to do, but I am saying that if you look at scripture, we have been given a great command and a great commission that we are supposed to tell people about Jesus. So how do we do that? We all have been given a unique purpose and a unique design to impact the world around us that only you can do. I can't walk into your workplace and say, hey, guess what? I'm going to be Marcus in here and this is exactly what this workplace needs. No, what they need is you. And they need you to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to impact the world in a beautiful way. You see, in the 19th century, there was a great author and writer. He was actually called the Lincoln of literature at the time. His name was Mark Twain. And he would say this, the two most important days of a person's life are the day they are born and the day that they find out why. I believe that's true. 
Maybe we're still on this journey of finding out why, but I believe our purpose can be found directly out of Scripture. See, and also in the first century, if we go back a few years, in the first century, there was an author and a pastor and a church planter who said, I want to talk more about that important day in our lives, not just when we are born, but also when we are reborn and we find our purpose. It's in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1.11. So I'm going to introduce to us a memory verse that we're going to say every single week. Yes, a memory verse. Why memory verse? Because I believe when we get verses from the Bible into our hearts, it changes the way we view the world. And the more and more verses and passages that we have in our lives, the more power we have when obstacles come our way. So Ephesians 1.11, out of the message translation, says this, it is in Christ that we find who we are and what we are living for. Not in any, any other place, not another person, not something that someone has said to you, not something someone has spoken to you. It's in Christ that we find. So we're all going to repeat this out loud, and at the end, we're going to say where the passage is found. That's Ephesians 1:11. We'll see the rest in just a moment. But we're going to say this all out loud. So on the count of three, we're going to read it slowly, but all together. And this is going to be something that we carry beyond Sunday into our Monday and Tuesday and so on. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Let's say it. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Ephesians 1.11. Let's do that again. You sounded beautiful. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Ephesians 1.11. So again, I wanted to find purpose one more time to ensure that we're talking about the same thing all throughout this series. Your purpose is your unique contribution that you are designed to make in the world. I'll say it again. Your unique contribution that you are designed to make in the world. You are here for a purpose and for a reason. And all throughout scripture, we're going to see how God is speaking that to us. Again, not the opinions of anyone else, only from Christ. And in fact, we see as it goes on in this next verse, in verse 12, long before we ever heard of Christ... And God, our hope says, he had his eyes on us. He had designs for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. God is always working out a purpose in everything and everyone. There is no such thing as an unpurposed person. You are here and you have a purpose. If you're wondering why you still have breath in your lungs, why you still have a pulse, it's because you still have a purpose. God is not finished with you. If you're still breathing, God has a plan. If you still have a pulse, you still have a purpose. God is doing something. He's working everything out in everything and everyone. History can be defined as God's purposes unraveling in the world. But we have to go to him to figure out what, our created, what we were created for. We have to go to the creator. Many times we search other places and we try to figure out, well, maybe I'm created, I'm going to go ask this person, I'm going to ask that person, but we have to go to the creator because the creator knows the purpose of the creation. You can't walk into your kitchen and see all the appliances and tell your refrigerator to be a microwave. It's not going to work out, unless maybe the power goes out, maybe that could work out. But the, the, the device, whatever it is, the person was created by the creator and only the creator knows the purpose. We see this with kids' art. They bring it up and they hand it to you. Look what I drew. And they hand you this. This is my nephew Joshua. He drew this. And I said, it, uh, is that a dinosaur on the left? Is that, is that a person on the right with funky eyebrows? 
I wasn't sure. Maybe it's someone playing guitar because he's drawn that before. And he said, no, this is a comic that he's working on where there's a half human and a half guardian that is going to defeat the monsters of the world. I said, oh. But as you were trying to guess what it is, we do that with ourselves. We're saying, maybe this is why, why I'm here. And God says, no, I'm the creator. I drew the picture. I, I created everything and directed everything in your life. Only the creator will know the purpose of the creation. You see, Rick Warren and He's one of his best-selling books of all time, second best-selling book of all time, only number two to the Bible, Purpose Driven Life, with a new title as well, What on Earth Am I Here For? Uh, we're pulling some, some material from this for this series. I'd encourage you to get this book if you haven't had one. We also have these little pamphlets outside that is just a bit of a primer of the book that we want to give these to you, but here's the caveat. We only want to give this to you if you want to give it to someone and invite them have you been wondering what your purpose is? Maybe you're 35 and asking, what do I want to do when I grow up? What am I supposed to be when I grow up? Who am I supposed to be today? I want you to join me at Newbrick at 9 a.m. and 1045 because I believe God is going to reveal our purposes. And guess what? You're not going to hear it just from me. You're going to hear it from God's word, and he has a purpose for every single one of us. But in Rick Warren's book, he shares this, that we were made by God and for God, and until we understand that, life will never make sense. It won't. Your career one day will end, and then what? As I said, you can retire from your career, you can't retire from your calling. This is all about this idea of identity. If we don't have a strong sense of identity, we will spend living most of our lives wondering why we are ever living. God has given us a great purpose and a great design and I don't want us to be at the risk of living life and missing out the reason why we're alive. Much of the frustration that we have within us, why we feel like it's, it's just Groundhog Day, the same thing over and over again, is because we have this frustration, the saying, God, I feel like I'm not responding to a greater call. We have to respond to the greater call that God is giving us. And maybe you have a great career, and that will offer a living. But when you walk in your calling, it provides a real life. And that's what I pray that God would give us as we go through these next seven weeks of this series. But the difficulty is, yes, I'm made by God and for God, but we have some obstacles. As I shared a little earlier, we have obstacles that stand in front of us. And we're actually going to look at a couple of those obstacles in that same book, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, uh, would you open it up with me to the book of Ephesians? It's in the New Testament. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, then it goes uh, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. That's where we're going to be. So we're in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, and Ephesians is a really beautiful letter. It's actually what we call a circular letter. It actually went around to multiple churches and, and just ways that they could find out why am I alive and what, I'm, what am I supposed to do? If God loved me so much that he sent his son to die for me, what am I to do with that? And Paul wants to walk us through that in the book of Ephesians. So Ephesians chapter 2. Now he starts talking about your favorite thing to talk about, you. That's exactly how he starts, because he wants you to pay attention. He wants me to pay attention. He says, as for you, again, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. This idea of being dead in transgressions and sins, sins are when we miss the mark, when we're supposed to live a, live a certain way in, in relationship with Christ. We, fall, we find ourselves dead in our transgressions, which is this idea of separation, uh, Marcus, what does dead mean in Greek? Dead. You can look it up. Lifeless. You might see that, but yes, dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. In which you used to live. 
And he uses this word followed. That word followed means walked. The way that you walked in the ways of this world. Whenever you see that in scripture, the ways of this world is not necessarily like you drive cars now and you get coffee every morning. No, the ways of this world are the wickedness and and the pains of this world that we have allowed to corrupt and pervert the things that God is doing in our lives. Then he goes on, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work with those who are disobedient. Ruler of the kingdom of the air, isn't that God? Well, see, we have to know the historical context. You see, in the ancient world, they would view the world, right, the earth, and then they would view the heavens. In the space between, they're like, that's where the demons are. That's the air. And so for them, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, because heaven, God is above all things. He is the ultimate ruler. But there's this ruler of the kingdom of the air in the ancient world uh, that we would call the, the evil one, the devil, Satan, Verse 3, Paul kind of feels he's maybe pointing the finger too much. So he says, by the way, all of us, not just you, me too, lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were deserving of God's wrath. Welcome to New Break Church. We're talking about wrath today. Wrath? I want to help you, uh, I just want to reframe this word wrath. Oftentimes we hear wrath and we think this pent up anger that God just, boom, it's this burst of anger and this shouting that you and I do, God doesn't, that he's not that type of God. Can I tell you what wrath is? Wrath is God's consistent displeasure with the things of sin in your life and in my life. It's his consistent displeasure. He says it can't be this way. I love you too much and I gave too much for you to live a life that is not fully living in your purpose. You see, the enemy has come in and and caused these ways for you to think and act. And actually, that's our first obstacle. This is what Paul is saying. He said, the first obstacle we need to talk about is maybe your past behaviors, your past mistakes, the words that you've said, the relationships that you have, the divorce that you've gone through, the addictions that you may have had, the positions and the opinions that you may have had. This is an obstacle that we have to declare, I'm not defined by my past. Praise God. All throughout scripture, you will see we are not defined by our past, but we are designed for a future. If you're taking notes, write that down. I'm not defined by my past. I am designed for a future. If you're looking at that scripture, it said we were dead. We didn't need repair. We needed a miracle. We needed a resurrection. And so if you've been in one of those moments where you feel like, Marcus, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the pain that I've walked through. Yeah, you needed a miracle. You needed resurrection in your life. And God wants to provide that. You didn't need just a tune-up. You you needed heaven to come to earth and revive you and give you new life, and that's what we have. You're thinking, well, but it did say I, I was dead. You're right. It did say you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. You see, for Paul and also for us, we have to know there's two spheres of influence when it comes to our lives. We are either walking in sin or we're walking in Christ. That is it. There's no middle ground. And this is where it gets really difficult because we like to think there's a middle ground. Uh, I, I grew up going to church. I never believed anything in it, but I thought I was a good person because I went to church. And then I would leave the church and not take the church and not take Christ with me, and I would go and do all of the awful things. That's why I can sit down with you and we can have conversations, and you'll never hear a pastor at New Brick go, oh, You did what? It's because we were probably worse than you, you know? But we used to live that way. And the consequence, sadly, of sin 
is this separation, which Paul would say death. In fact, Romans would even say the wages of sin is death. That's the consequence, but there's a benefit when we walk in Christ. It's actually called this idea of a new creation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we call our church New Break because we believe everyone needs one. And this is actually one of the verses that helped kind of create the church that you know today as New Break. It's, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, raise your hand. Everyone raise your hand. Repeat after me. I am and anyone. Okay, perfect. Just make sure we're on the same page. If anyone is in Christ... Even the person that's your neighbor and they have the really loud dog and they party all night and you can't go to sleep, they're in anyone as well. Even the person that you're struggling with the unforgiveness, they're in anyone as well. Even the person that you, uh, you, you walk into church and you're thinking, oh, they're here today. They are in anyone as well. Even when you feel that you are not worthy to experience the love and the grace that God has given you, you are in anyone as well. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone and the new is here. Anyone. The consequence of sin was death. The benefit of Christ is this new creation and this new life. So what Paul is saying, he says, there is a passing of the old way of living and now an arrival into the new way of life. We are now living for Christ by living for others. You think, well, you don't know how bad my past was. This is our opportunity to make our mess, as we like to say, our ministry. That's why I'm so excited. Pastor Brooks shared about our life groups that are going to be launching. We actually have three that are launching that I'm probably more excited about than all of them, even the ones that I lead. Uh, first, we actually have a 12-step that we're going to be launching coming up. Uh, we, we're really excited about it. Pastor Robert's going to be leading it. He's actually in the room. Pastor Robert, would you wave your hand if you don't know who Pastor Robert is? Uh, he's in the back. He's our lead pastor. He's going to be leading the 12-step. If you have had a hurt habit hang up, You've been dealing with some type of addiction or something that has a control on you that you cannot shake, that you cannot put away, that you are hoping, is there a way more than just coming to church on Sundays where I can talk with someone, where I can figure out how to navigate this type of life? I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you're thinking, I can stop it at any time. Maybe you need to join us and live free in our 12th step. Maybe you're walking and navigating a life where maybe you've overcome some of the most difficult situations and the challenges, but you want to help create your life with boundaries and ways that you can avoid some of the old places that you used to go, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically, and you want to navigate your life to walk more in Christ. I want you to join us with Pastor Denise as she is going, she's our care pastor. She's going to be doing a group called Insights. And it's going to help you kind of navigate uh, biblically how we can navigate our lives to live a life that looks more and more at, like living in our purpose in a way that Christ has designed and God has designed us. Maybe you're sitting in the room, well, well, I'm neither of those, but I know a friend and a loved one that's going through one of those difficult situations. And I don't know what to do. I don't have enough Bible verses to help them out. I, I don't have enough time, if I'm honest. I don't have the right words. Um, you just have a friend and a loved one who's going through something difficult and you want to be able to help. Uh, Pastor Lisa, Pastor Robert's wife, is going to be leading this group uh, called Concerned Persons where we're going to equip you and help you be able to help them through their pains and their struggles. Maybe you're thinking, I've, I've walked down that road. I mean, what's my, what's my next step? Well, join one of those groups and then we want to launch more groups. 
because we want to turn our mess into our ministry. We want to allow this to be an opportunity where we can impact people around us. One of my favorite Bible passages is in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17. Uh, when I said yes to Jesus, I picked up a Bible and started reading. And I didn't know where I was reading. I just would kind of be like, Lord, just speak to me. And one time I opened it up like that. I don't encourage you to do this because you'll open up to Job and you'll be like, this is boring. This is crazy. Uh, but I did this and I opened up to Galatians six seventeen, and it says, For I bear on my body the marks that show I belong to Christ. And I looked at my arms and my legs and saw all of the marks from uh, the gang violence, uh, the drug abuse, the fighting that it went through. And although Paul's writing this to say I've been persecuted and I have the marks to show that I'm willing to live my life for Christ, I read it unknowingly thinking, oh, that means I have scars as well and these scars can tell a story. For me, that's what it meant at the time. I, know, I now know better, however, at the same time, you have scars that show you belong to Christ. You have scars that show you have a past. You have scars that show that God can heal the most brokenness of brokenness. Maybe it's your turn to help someone and lift them out of the pit that they are walking in. So maybe your first obstacle of not being defined by your past can now be a place of victory for someone else. So please, if you have any questions about those groups, we'll be outside at the blue tent and the life groups tables. We want to see you partnering with us as we give care through our care groups. Uh, maybe thinking, well, that's not my, pa- my past is not that bad, you know? It, it's, it's not, I didn't do anything crazy, so that's not me. Well, I want to go into obstacle number two. Obstacle number two would sound like this. Uh, I was a mistake, therefore I am a mistake. Obstacle number two says, I've been treated as worthless, so therefore I am worthless. Obstacle number two essentially says that I am an accident. So the declaration today is, I'm not an accident. Because God does not create anything accidentally. Maybe you grew up in a household where you were told you were an accident. They said, well, you know, we really weren't expecting you. God was. God was ready for you. God was waiting. God said, I can't wait till earth gets to hear you. I can't wait till I get to show the earth how awesome you are and how funny and how bright and how smart and how beautiful and how passionate that you are. You are not an accident. But you're walking in this room today and you're feeling neglected, ignored, abandoned. And it's caused you, like me earlier in my life, to have these self-esteem issues where I looked for any type of acceptance and validation in other people, which led me to be a people pleaser. I don't want to offend you. Whatever you need, I'll just do it. Oh, for sure, I don't need any time for myself. No, you just, I would hate to see you offended by anything I would ever do. If you're here today and you feel neglected, ignored, abused, or abandoned, there is a God who loves you tremendously and who sent his son to die for you. And you can place all of your hope in the entirety that the God who created everything knows you and created you. So if you're looking for acceptance and validation today, you can look to God's word because it gives us both. One of David's psalms, Psalm 139, is one of the most beautiful psalms. He uses this word yada, which means to know, to know intimately. He uses it seven times on purpose because seven times is God's beautiful number. And in verse 16, he says this, you saw me before I was born. We can pause right there. That word saw in Hebrew, actually means to be understood. Maybe you've been walking a life and you're thinking, no one understands me. You're right. 
But God does, though. Before you were even born, he understood you. And, and then it goes on. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Wait, how was every day of my life recorded in the book if you're talking about before I was even born? Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That's why we go to our creator when we're wondering why we were created. No one else will know. Only our creator. And the good news for you and me is that you as an individual are unlike any other individual on earth. And God is not done with you. And I said it earlier and I'll say it again, there's no such thing as an unpurposed person. God has something for you and he sees you and understands you and loves you. And this is, as I said, we, we were living this life, we were dead, we didn't need repair, we needed a resurrection. Well, Paul goes on and he shares what this actually looks like in verse four of chapter two. We were already there. So if your Bible's still there, Ephesians chapter two. But because, I love that. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Did you see that? But right there. Uh, earlier in ministry, I did a series called But God. I'll never do that again. Never do that again. And I, I went and looked at all the buts of the Bible. I know, I know. That's literally what the tagline said. Never do it again. But this is a good but. It is. You were living dead, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he's so wealthy in mercy, you can't even begin to count it. He's the richest person in the universe of all creation when it comes to mercy. It's the revelation of his being, his love. He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So we just transform from I need a miracle to I am a miracle. That's what we can proclaim over 2023. I am a miracle. I don't need one, I am one. I am a walking miracle today. If you are here today, you are a miracle because you were once dead in your transgressions and now you are alive in Christ. And God raised us up. I said we needed a resurrection. He raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Elon got nothing on this type of money. Nothing. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And he goes on. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. I want to say that again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. See, faith is not salvation. Faith is the means by which we can receive the grace that God is giving us. We need faith. However, faith is not doing the work. The work has already been done through Christ Jesus. Let us not get it twisted. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And is not from yourselves. Oh, thank goodness. It's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. We still do sometimes, all right, right? I've been saved for 27 years. I've been saved for 57 years. I was in the womb when I got saved. No, no one can boast. None of us. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul is saying this, yes, you were dead, but we serve a powerful God. In that wrath that we're talking about, he's a powerful God, oh, but he's a personal God, and he wants to impact your life. Paul would later say in Romans chapter five, he would say, while we were still sinners, at just the right time, Christ died for us. While I was still a mess, I'm speaking just for myself, maybe you were never a mess like I was. Maybe you were and you just don't say it as often. 
when I was still a mess, Christ died for me. So if that's the case, the only way that I can get over the obstacles that I talked about and I can walk in what God has for me is I understand that my purpose of living is a gift of God's grace and his love. He's just that kind of God. Well, what did you have to do? No, he's just that kind of God. I just had to receive it. We just got done with uh, celebrating Advent of Jesus coming into earth and, and being exactly who he needed to be for people just like you and me. It's just a gift of his grace and love that we're even alive, that we're breathing today. This gift is, is this idea of a change of lordships. Remember, we were living in the world and now we're living for God. We no longer live in the ruler of the air, as Paul said, right? I'm the ruler of all kingdoms. I'm no longer in the influence of sin. I'm in the influence of Christ. And if that's the case, when I read Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. Some translations say his workmanship. Whose work? His. So it's the result of his activity, not mine. So, so I'm a new creation. Just like in the first creation, God uh, created everything and he created man and woman and he said, be fruitful and multiply. He's saying that even to us now. You are a new creation. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to bear the fruit of people who follow me and multiply disciples so that more people can know who I am because there's going to be a day when he comes back and he says, where are my people? And my prayer is, you could say, I know where some are. They're on my street. They're my neighbors. Took 15 years, but man, they're here. They're ready to go. We're his masterpiece. So our role now is to be active and productive as the first creation. We have this newness that we have. But for some of us, we don't feel that we need to be new because we haven't had the reality of our illness. If you've ever been to the doctor and they've given you a diagnosis and told you something that is ailing you, they do something called a prognosis. They said, this is what potentially could happen. Then they go in for whatever treatment. The diagnosis is that we once all were dead. The prognosis is, well, walking in that sin continually to do that leads to death. But the remedy? Jesus. In the first Sunday back of 2023, if you've been looking for a word for your year, looking for some type of hope for your year, Jesus. You figure out what is my goal for this year? As a family, we're just trying to figure out. We have our whiteboard and our vision board, and we all bought planners that we're not going to use. <laughs> Jesus. What am I supposed to do? Jesus. Turn to him. Pursue him with everything. Like never before. No, no matter what this year looks like. No matter what this year looks like, if you hold on to Jesus like you never have before, you'll be all right. I prompt, it's, it's in scripture. You will. You'll be okay. That's the Marcus translation, but you're going to be all right. Pursue him. So before we go any further, we're going to take communion in a moment, but uh, if you need one of our communion cups, if you just put your hand up, we have our team ready to just provide you with one. First communion of the year. But as we kind of prepare our hearts, maybe we need to prepare, God, before I take another day, another step, I want you. We sang the song, speak Jesus. Jesus for my family. Speak your holy name, Jesus. What about Jesus for you? I just need Jesus.
Maybe today you can make a commitment that says, you know what, Jesus, I just need you. Maybe you've been walking a life that has felt like you've been living and walking dead. Jesus is the answer. Remember, you don't need repair, you need a resurrection. Jesus is the only answer. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So maybe more than just saying, yeah, I'll give him a shot this year. Maybe this is a dedication where you say, this is my resolution. This is my resolve to go after Christ like I never have before. God, I'm going to make a commitment to you. We've been saying with our team, it's not just a new year, it's new rhythms as well. That my new rhythm is being committed to you every single day, beginning my week in worship, joining us Sundays, 9 a.m. and 1045, belonging in a life group and being the church through serving like I never have before. God, I'm ready. So if that's you, not heads bowed, not eyes closed, eyes open, just put your hand up. I'm in. Jesus for the 2023. That's me. That's me. Only, only you can make that decision. Jesus for 2023. That's it. That's it. Maybe you've never made that decision. Uh, We want to pray with you and allow this to be an opportunity where you get to say, hey, Jesus, I don't just want you for 2023. I want to give you me. Do what you will so I can walk in that purpose. So I want to pray before we take our communion. But God, we just come before you right now. God, we once were dead, all of us but we breathe new life in you. So God, we commit to you for this year, for today, for tomorrow. Even when the times get tough, we hold on to you. We're ready for you. We thank you, Jesus. If you would just repeat after me, just let this be something truly from your heart. God, I've tried it on my own. It hasn't worked. So now, I give my life to you. Show me, Lord, why I am here. Amen. I believe we serve a powerful God. And and at this moment, I want us to to go into this beautiful moment. It's It's the Last Supper. Jesus is there with his best friends. I mean, think of a great last meal that you get to have. And he's sitting there, and around them are these memories of things that have happened before. It's actually during the time of Passover. And they're reminded of the time when uh, the, the angel of death passed over them and they were able to be okay. And, and this is what they're kind of celebrating, all the things that God has done. And Jesus picks up the bread and he says, you've been doing this for a different memory. Now you want you to do this in remembrance of me. Because for us to get here, to understand that we are his masterpiece and that he has a purpose for us, God had to step in because we were walking dead. He said, I want to give you the only thing that will provide life. When we talk about communion, we're talking about a celebration of a new life through Christ, through communion. If you've experienced a new life, this is why we do communion each month. So this is our opportunity. So if you have the bread, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body that is given for you because no one can take it. So Jesus, we thank you for that beautiful gift. Let us be alive and new in you. Let's take the bread together. And then he took the cup. And again, it would have been common for them. He said, once again, now, now this, I want you to do in remembrance of me. Now this is my life. This is my blood. This is everything that I gave to you on the cross. You don't know it yet, but I'm going to give everything to you. We know the other side of the story. So Jesus, we thank you for your gift. 
of life till death so that we could have life ourselves. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's take the cup together. See, it's in those moments, that beautiful moment of communion where we're reminded that God has a purpose for everything he creates. Therefore, God has a purpose for me. He created you and he saw all of our brokenness and he said, okay, son, I'm gonna need you to do something that may be uncomfortable, but it's for everyone here. And if you've been wondering what that purpose is or you know someone, give them this book. It's our gift to you. Maybe you're trying to figure out what that purpose is. Join us for the next seven weeks or six weeks after today as we're going to be talking more and more about this. I want to leave you before Pastor Brooks comes up with our memory of verse once again on the count of three. One, two, three. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Ephesians 1, 11. Thank you, church.